This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Pick up the phone, get something off your chest. Bournemouth fans, Eddie Howe, the bubbles burst there, let's be frank. West Ham fans, I wonder... I do, I do fear Davy Moyes. Ay, 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 needs to be put out to pastures new. Whether it be Liverpool fans gearing up for the big Merseyside derby this evening, I do wonder, and I did say to Robbie off air, Everton at Goodison Park tonight, could they get a win? Then Palace at home for Liverpool in midweek. Could Palace continue their great form? Four successive wins with four clean sheets. And then City You're next giddy. weekend. Is what you are. Three defeats in the bounce for Liverpool? No, no. not yeah. going to happen. Liverpool are going to win tonight and pretty much wrap it up. Yeah, I would think you're probably right on that front but the phone lines are open 04-871-5500 do join us have a conversation with us uh, pertaining not just to the football that we witnessed over the weekend to any sport that you desire to talk about then we can do just that the football is where we will start because it is the first weekend that we had a jam-packed schedule whether it be Bundesliga whether it be La Liga Italian we've already had a sacking we've had a sacking you're absolutely right Real Betis yeah John Francesc Ruby Ferrer, just three matches into the resumption of La Liga. We talked about it before everything got back underway and we wondered whether this would be like some kind of elongated grace period where it didn't really matter how you fared during these eight, nine matches. But yeah, of course it matters how you fare, even if it's behind closed doors. I do wonder, you know, West Ham, David Moyes, I watched them yesterday against Wolves, who, by the way, again, They can't change. How many managers have they had this season, West Ham? They're on a slippery slope, Rob. They've still got... They've got to go to Spurs midweek. I think they've still got to go to United, have West Ham. They've got Chelsea at home as well. I mean, West Ham. No no clubs big enough to go down. The bottom three as things stand. Norwich City, bottom. They were beating 3-0 on Friday night at home to Southampton. They're as good as gone, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Aston Villa, 0-0 with uh, Sheffield United back on Wednesday night. They are in action in about five minutes' time at home to Chelsea. They're going to need a big win at some point to keep themselves ticking over and within, mm. with a real chance mm. of staying up. I don't think they've got enough goals in them, do Villa. I think they're down as well. You maybe have a sneaking suspicion that they might pull um, themselves clear? It's more sort of sneaking at the moment, really. Yeah, they, they are. They're, well, based they're, on they're, anything. They're candidates numero deux for yeah. relegation, for sure. But this is a big game. Chelsea have been shown to be wildly inconsistent. Infallible. And uh, yeah. very much, yeah, okay, you don't really know what you're going to get with them. That being said, they are fourth in the table. You'd expect them at a... At a, at a Villa Park with no fans, you know, that, 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 that home advantage somewhat negated by that. And it was interesting to tune into the game last night between Bournemouth and Crystal Palace at the Vitality Stadium. Just the camera angles, because most of the games that I've watched up until this point, the camera foot looks down on the pitch and they've all, all the bigger clubs have gone to an elaborate effort yeah. to make the, 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 the fanless stadium look as kind of aesthetically pleasing as possible. Lots of banners, lots of flags, signage, and, lots yeah. of advertising, flags, what have you. And then once that fake mu- uh, music, once that sound effect that the, the broadcaster plays come, comes into play, you, you quickly forget. You do. But then Vitality Stadium, the camera angle is, is much closer to the, to the top of the pitch. And you could see like six journos all socially distanced, bashing away on their keyboards. You could see one security guard stood on his own in the gantry. And it was just a much more sort of paltry view yeah. of proceedings. And it just, you, you just realise then what a comparatively small club Bournemouth is compared to the Tottenham's and the, even the Aston Villas. 
with Villa Park being a much bigger stadium. It's got a real traditional ground as Villa Park and it does what close to 40,000 I think it is. I watched that game last night as well and, and Bournemouth Rob they just they're not got enough about them and listen that's not to take anything away from Crystal Palace. They've been on a great Who run. by the way let's let's give credit where credit's due. Roy Hodgson. Yeah. He really is. He is the absolute archetypal uh seventh to twelfth place manager. Just rock solid. Amazing. You won't see Roy, you know, take over as we saw. Well, Liverpool for, for him was it just appeared to be too complex a role, too big a club for him to manage. But give him a Crystal Palace. Look what he did with Fulham. And he just he just final. produces very solid, very yeah. difficult to beat teams. And Palace are just a classic example of, in another manager's hands, Palace could be struggling. But Roy, or Roy, just gets them going. And him and Ray Lewington deserve an awful lot of credit. You look at Palace, currently ninth in the division. They've won 11 games from the 30. They've won actually two more games this season than Arsenal. They're two points clear of Arsenal. Arsenal oh, down where in 10. Where do we start with Arsenal? Yeah, we will get to Arsenal. want to get to Freddie Rashid, are you listening? Because you were proclaiming all sorts of wild predictions about Arsenal and Mikel Arteta. Yeah, I mean, they are, they've never been worse. I mean, you said it earlier to me today. It is amazing. Dare I say it? Are they worse now than they were under Unai Emery? Oh. Too soon, perhaps, to judge them now. But they are absolutely mid-table fodder now. They are mid-table fodder. You look at that starting They're miles level. away from the top four. Yeah, they are. Forget, forget challenging for the league title. They're miles away from even thinking about taking on the top four. It's amazing. And their fans were so disgruntled, Arsene Wenger delivering FA Cup trophies and top four finishes year after year. They would bite your hand off for that now, Rob. We'll look back they on chased Arsenal's Wenger defeat out of the yesterday. Club, which yeah, was, they, they needed to. Uh, we all said it at the time. He'd been there too long, but he hadn't managed that transition, a bit like Fergie. There was no succession plan in place. There was no plan after Wenger. I tell you, you've made an interesting point there, Rob. Arsenal, are, in a lot of ways, are going through what United have gone through. Once you but have they, a manager there for as length They fell of time, from lower down. They fell just as far as United did, but comparatively they fell from lower down. United fell from the very top, yeah. and they fell to kind of 6th, 7th. Arsenal fell from 4th to now ninth, 10th. I mean, they're 10th right now at Arsenal. And yet they're still only two points behind their great rivals, Tottenham Hotspur. We're going to touch on Tottenham's game against Man United on Friday. Arsenal, a lot of fallout from Arsenal's defeat yesterday to Brighton and Hove Albion. If you've got a thought, Rashid, if you're listening, any yeah, I mean, Arsenal fans listening... They're six points off 5th, so... Things can change, Maybe but they, they look a mile, a mile away. They are a mile off. Yeah, we're underway at Villa Park, ladies and gentlemen. Off script, extra time, just after quarter past seven on your Sunday. It's Chris and Robbie, always. We're always with you through Sunday and Thursday on Dubai, 103.8. Kick-off, we're underway, Rob. Villa against Chelsea, our first glimpse of Chelsea post-lockdown. Yeah, and it's an interesting lineup that they've gone with today. No Tammy Abraham. He starts on the bench, the top-scoring striker for Chelsea this season. They've gone with the not-quite-so-top-scoring Olivier Giroud in the, in the kind of middle of the front three, which also includes Mason Mount and Willian. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, N'Golo Kante and Mateo Kovacic across the midfield. Um, so there's no place for the likes of Christian Pulisic in midfield. Jorginho. Um, no Jorginho either, in fact. And no Pedro, for that matter. Marcus Alonso, Andreas Christensen, Antonio Rudiger and Cesar Alspilicueta across the back four with Kepa, Ariza Balaga in goal. So the defence looks relatively standard yeah, for Chelsea. Um, Villa have Nyland in goal. Concert, Howes, uh, Tyrone Mings and Matt Target across the back four. They've also gone for a 4-3-3. John McGinn, Douglas Luiz and Connor Horihan across the midfield three. And then Anwar El Ghazi, 
Keenan Davis and Jack Grealish, who I'll be hoping does me a good turn in the fantasy. Looking back on some of the kind of big talking points from the weekend, Rob, Friday night, all eyes were on the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Spurs against Man United. You watched it from start to finish. Verdict, fair result in the end? Uh, I thought Tottenham were fortunate to get a 1-1, in all honesty. And I know the penalty was uh, a shocking decision that was overturned rightly by VAR at the end of the game. Um, but I thought, man, you were a little unlucky to go the goal behind. The goal kind of came out of nowhere yeah. and sparked an out- outburst by, by Roy Keane over in the UK, which we're going to get to, I know, in a moment. Um, but man, you looked like the home team. They They totally dominated possession. They looked like... They had an idea. Tottenham really didn't look very ambitious at all, given the fact that they were welcoming back pretty much a full-strength team. They had Harry Kane back. He looked a bit off the pace, in all honesty. Um, he typically starts new seasons very slowly, and I suppose this would be the equivalent, really, yeah. for him, having come back from such a long injury of a new season. So pretty, uh, pretty unrealistic to expect him to be razor-sharp from the outset. But, yeah, I mean, they got a bit of a smash-and-grab goal, did Tottenham. Harry Maguire came under a lot of criticism for his role in that goal. David De Gea criticised very, very harshly by, by Roy Keane as well. And um, I thought United sort of stuck to their task. Pogba came on in the second half. He looked great. I mean, he, he did brilliantly to, to make that first penalty, which was pretty soft, I thought. A bit yeah. of a soft penalty, but it was one of those where you kind of, you see why the ref gave it and you criticise the defender. In all honesty, because uh, he he shouldn't have allowed Pogba to do that. And then he shouldn't have allowed Pogba to to go down when they came together, if that makes sense. Mm. You've got to do a better job of marshalling your man in that position. He just sort of, he kind of, they came together. He gave Pogba the out to say, all right, I'm going to fall now. I've already done you. So I've gotten beyond you. I've tricked you. And then he needed to kind of stay on his feet and try and marshal it. It wasn't that. It was still defendable at that point. Mm. But he, you know, he, he went for the soft option. The referee gave the penalty. Bruno Fernandes dispatched it with a plomb. And I thought, man, you were quite unlucky not to have actually gone ahead and won that game. So I'd be encouraged if I were a Man U fan right now. I actually thought they'd hit the ground running and I thought they'd do pretty well. Yeah. I, think I think they're going to do well. I think they're going to secure a place in the top four. Tottenham, on the other hand, not so sure. Yeah, far too passive. For me, Spurs. Roy Keane making headlines. He went viral, so he did afterwards, because uh, as Robbie's already alluded to, Harry Maguire, David De Gea did not cover themselves in glory in the build-up to Stephen Bergwijn's opening goal. Roy Keane, working for Sky Sports over in the UK, he was in the hot seat alongside Patrice Evra. You'll hear Patrice trying to get a word in edgeways here, but here's Roy Keane. Oh, I'd love to get your thoughts on this one. Essentially chastising Harry Maguire and David De Gea. There's got, to be, there's got to be some stuff going on at that halftime. If I was Ali, make some changes, get some lads off the pitch, lads going through the motions a little bit. Not that United have been bad, but you've got to... I've said flex your muscles. You've got to impose your personality in the game. Spurs have done OK. They've been compact. And, mm. Listen, they've been OK. But my United, Maguire and they're here. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I oh. get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> These are established international players and we're all sitting here and I know we have to analyse the game. Analyse it till the cows come home. You do your job. We're trying to get in the top four. Not win leagues, by the way. We're just not about getting the top four. God forbid about winning trophies. Shocking. I am. I am disgusted with it. Maguire, De Gea, you should hang your heads in shame. Represent Man United and letting people run past you. Get close to people. Move your feet to give away that goal. 
I'm human here watching this game of football. I am staggered at Maguire, staggered at an international player can just get done like this. And I am sick to death of this goalkeeper. I would be fighting him at halftime. There's no getting away from that. I would be swinging punches at that guy. This is a standard stay for an established international goalkeeper. That goalkeeper, I am fed up. That, that De Gea, the most overrated goalkeeper. No, okay. <laughs> Patrice, the most overrated goalkeeper I've seen in a long, long time. Did he, did he do anything no, to no, restore his, his reputation with the save from Son? No. I'd save this. This is this. This no, not even going in the, Kino, this this even you, the top you, corner. You've been on this one. This is middle of the goal. I, I think it's a great. Yeah, I, but I think a it's great a great save. save. You need to be ready. It's Patrice, coming quick. If that is not a great save, that's that's his job. It's middle of the goal. It's good height for him. He, you're being be, asked. This think, one you're being asked. I, I think, think it's a great save. Catching that. I think it's a. Oh, you should be catching that. Catching that, yeah. Why he's going to play with some glue on his gloves? Or it's not even that high. He's middle of the goal. Roy Keane there uh, expressing the truth lay between them, of course. Ever too nice, Keane overboard. Keane, just the perfect. I I get them. Archer's been in touch to say everyone. uh, Keane just saying what everyone else is thinking. Um, But it's become a bit pantomime. Roy Keane's punditry, a little, in my opinion. I agree. He, he, you know, he was very acerbic when he first became a pundit and. He had some great exchanges with Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Obviously, he's got contempt and nothing but contempt for the likes of Liverpool <laughs> and, and Tottenham. And it's just, it's just dripping. Yeah. I mean, talk about the lack of impartiality. Roy Keane, it's almost like he's the manager of Man U and he's, he's kind of, you know. But that's what I guess punters want. Uh, again, I'll listen to that. And you're but absolutely one right, thing's, One thing's for sure. David De Gea can forget any notion that he's the best goalkeeper. That, that ship has long since sailed. Because a couple of years ago, people were saying David De Gea is the best goalkeeper on the planet. He won United's Player of the Year four times in a row, I think. Five, I think. He yeah. is a shadow of his former self. What is Come it on. to say? Form is temporary, class is permanent. Uh, and I stick by that. And, and again, listening to Roy there, he is a bit pantomime. As much as I respect him on the field as a player, I mean, he was a heck of a captain for Man United. I do think he has become a little bit of a caricature of himself a little bit. He is, he, he, he knows what he's doing. Mm. It's, it's perfect fodder for social media. You can understand why those comments went viral. Harry Maguire didn't cover himself in glory at all. A lot of people that watch... You just got wrong-footed. Wrong-footed, not, the, not for the first time either. I'm with Roy. I mean, David should have saved that. But again, he is and still remains a quality, quality goalkeeper. But, but We're getting thing, loads of text thing is, messages. The thing is in. with Harry Maguire as well, you know, that's not his strength. You know, they, they bought him because he is... A you know, leader? He, he's, sol- he, he's, a very, he's very good in the air. He's great. He's got, he's got offensive potential at the other end of the pitch, as we saw in the World Cup with England. He is someone who can marshal a game well. He's a good tackler. But if you leave him exposed like that, 100%. he gets done for pace. Like that's QB not two. his strength. That's never, that's never been his strength. No. But this is the problem. You, you pay an inflated uh, transfer fee for a guy like Harry Maguire. What was it, 80 million, was yeah. it? You know, you expect a Rolls-Royce. You expect a Carlos Puyol, where he's not. He's, nev- he's never going to be that player. A Virgil. Yeah, Virgil because he's just not. But then he, he's not of eighty million. He's a thirty million pound. That's it. Centre back. Not again, Stephen Bergwijn. Not for the first time. And if you've watched Man United or Harry Maguire, that is not a strength of his. He can be pulled out of position. Get him on the turn. He's like the QE two turning. He's not the quickest. David again hasn't covered himself in glory in that. It was a mistake. You see the replays of it. He's trying one palms out. One. He's got his right fist trying to punch it. It's all wrong. But again, he deserves. 
and, and, and this is just my opinion, David De Gea, he deserves a little bit of leeway. I'm still convinced he is a top-class goalkeeper. You do not lose that overnight. And there's enough credit in the bank, truth be told, with David De Gea, because if it wasn't for him over the last four or five years, then Man United wouldn't even be in with a shout of European football. And, and I mean that sincerely. A lot of you getting in touch saying David needs to go overrated and overpriced, bring back Henderson from Sheffield United. And that's an easy one for me. A lot of people pointing to Dean Henderson, 23-year-old, Gareth Southgate likes him a lot, future England number one. All he recently has come out to say is probably a future Man United number one. But then he's not been exposed to Man United. With the greatest of respects to Sheffield United, it's far easier to play for Sheffield United than it is Man United. Yeah. That would be the only thing there. I think we're a little bit too quick just a little bit too quick sometimes to say bad game, write him off. And Royce, I just feel like you know he was three years ago. He was talked about as being the world's best goalkeeper. I'd say Jan Oblak is probably holding that title right now, given on current form. Yeah, Jan's David De Gea quality. is David De Gea is a light year away oh, from it right on. now. Now come, come on, he's on. made far too many mistakes. That is not a, a once. That's not a flash in the pan mistake. He's made numerous mistakes. He's had a, yeah, by his lofty standards, he's had an indifferent season. I think we can safely say that. Does he remain a quality goalkeeper? And it's frustrating because yes, he he's, he's suffering this dip in form just as Man U has started to turn the to, corner. Yeah. And, that's, and, and obviously the importance of having someone solid in yeah. goal is, is huge. It's paramount. So it's, it's almost like it's such a shame that he played his best football or he played his best in goal when Man United were playing their worst on the pitch. It's interesting that, and some would say out there, that a true test of a top, top-class goalkeeper is one that doesn't have much to do. And then when it is required to make a save, they make them. You know, you could argue, and again, I'm kind of going back on the point I was making, but you, you could look at a David De Gea when United were struggling. It's far easier. You still always say it. You see Jaskolainen. You know, when you're in a bad team, as, as UC's struggled, Bolton, West Ham, and you're making so many saves, it's easy to, to be shown up as a real good goalkeeper. The very best though, Rob. Mm. 89 minutes, you don't see them. They produce a big save. Well, I mean, look at All Black against Liverpool. Yeah, All Black. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Jan All Black. A lot of you getting in touch. A lot of you out there are not happy with David. De Gea makes too many mistakes. Mistakes, end of story. Again, by his lofty standards, he's had a tough time of it this season. But again, I think it would be awfully harsh. Awfully harsh to throw David De Gea under the bus to bring in Dean Henderson, who's unproven. It's what I'd say on that front. It was a 1-1 draw. Man United escaping the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium with a point. Spurs, again, decent point for them. I mean, only time will tell. They're obviously pushing to try and finish top four as well. Josie, when he came in there, it was a top four finish that was the aim. Spurs need to be back in the Champions League next season. They do. It's just, for, for me, they don't look like a team that, that have that kind of, I use a keyno word, personality that they had under Mauricio Pochettino. I know, things, I know things went sour under Pochettino, but let's cast our mind back to the Tottenham that ended up, OK, albeit with a few lucky breaks, reaching the Champions League final. You're talking about a side that played with verve and they, they were exciting. They, yeah. they had a, a kind of a, a pace and a, and a sort of idea, a character in attack. They, they had a plan going forward. Now they, they look like a classic Mourinho smash-and-grab job. Yeah. Be compact, defend tightly. They're not really styled up to play that way, Tottenham. They're not. That's not to their best ability. You know, that, that doesn't reflect their, the, 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 the personalities and the characteristics of their players. We're talking off-air, Rob. Uh, United Spurs won a piece on Friday night. I guess the big game yesterday, from a neutral perspective, was Brighton against Arsenal. It's two defeats on the bounce for Arsenal, who were unbeaten, were they not, in 2020, leading in to pre-Covid 
uh, back in March. They were on a lo- lovely little run under Mikel Arteta. All that has been... Well, they had a lot of draws. Yeah, but nonetheless, it's yeah. unbeaten, right? Momentum was being built up. Now, I won't say crisis, in but fact, early had for had that. had three wins on the bounce prior to the lockdown and, uh, and the interruption or the, the halting of the Premier League. And they've come back, of course, beaten by Manchester City. Not a surprise there, but beaten. They were, they were quite tame. They were quite feeble in their surrender to Manchester City. And then just a classic Arsenal performance yeah, yesterday. it really was. Just kind of flattered to deceive. Didn't seize the game by the scruff of the neck. Pepe scored a good goal. A very nice goal, in fact. But other than that, didn't really impose himself on the game. Like the kind of, when you make, as we say with Harry Maguire, you make a big money signing. You want them to decide games for you. You want them to to be a difference maker. And yes, he scored a goal, but he wasn't... No, I said it in the first 60 seconds. He got in behind Dan Byrne, who is the big lanky. I think he's 6'7". I think he's the tallest player in the... In fact, he is the tallest player in the Premier League, is Dan Byrne, who he has come on leaps and bounds under Graham Potter, but there was a weakness there. Pepe's pace in behind. And I said to myself, I think I tweeted it, oh, this could be a long day. It's Pepe v Byrne. And yet, Arsenal never looked to exploit the big man against Pepe. He did score a wonderful goal. Arsenal did take the lead. That lead lasted seven minutes. Lewis Dunk bundling over to level things up. And then Neil Moppe, who had been in the wars in the first half, and that leads us nicely on to our talking point. It was he that finished a wonderful little great strike partnership play between the substitute Aaron Conley and Moppe, the man from Brentford. Big money signing, his ninth league goal. He's the top scorer for Brighton. Left foot flashed it past Emiliano Martinez. Real good goal from a Brighton point of view. The Neil Moppe flashpoint though and for those of you that missed this it was oh it was a bad one it's what it was for Bernd Leno who has been arguably Arsenal's best player this season the German goalkeeper it was a long ball over the top Neil Moppe chased it down Leno came careering out of his uh, I say out of his penalty six yard box he was still within the confines of the box he grabbed the ball Moppe gave him a little nudge just to let him know he was there he hyperextended his right knee yeah. his right leg nasty. it looked nasty he was screaming and the lack of fans in the stadium gave it away because Bernd Leno was in some discomfort mm. he was screaming it was audible on the television screen I said then he's done his ligaments and it does indeed look as if he has done his knee ligaments which means he will face a lengthy spell on and the he was shouting at Moppe I think he was on, not as happy. he was being stretched off yeah he was pointing the finger at Moppe uh, Matteo Guendouzi a French compatriot of Moppe not happy as well he was remonstrating with the Frenchman we've had a text in an interesting one this and I'd love to get your thoughts on this Robert as well as those listening in this evening Uh, someone out there has said here's a talking point Moppy's push on Leno wasn't violent or aggressive but it was specifically delivered to a nerve or destabilise the keeper in mid-air so should there be a retrospective punishment considering that he is now likely to be out for nine months or more? If you take that risk, as in any walk of life, you shouldn't be immune from censure when the small infraction causes serious harm. I've got my own views on this. Yeah, but it's kind of like when we talk about a tackle that ends up resulting in a horrific injury. You, 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 you judge the tackle on, on the action and the, the, the kind of the technical nature of the tackle, you don't judge it on the injury that it causes. You can't do that. Otherwise, anything, you know, something innocuous might cause something serious, something that looks very dangerous, two-footed, studs up, whatever you, might, you, whatever you may say, you know, the, the guy might get away scot-free. Yeah. So you can't judge your, your sanctions on the outcome Completely with agree. hindsight. It's so a contact sport is what you, I always you, say. You have to say that it was... Having looked at it, a pretty innocuous nudge. Sure, it was deliberate, 
but it happens game in, game out. It's it's For standard. Sport, yeah. It's absolutely standard. What would have been more unusual is, is if there'd been no contact. Mm. Small pay letting the keeper know he's there. And again, it is just unfortunate. Can I understand Burnt Leno's frustration in the moment? Yes, I can. Uh, let's hear from Neil Mopi now because uh, he did seek out Mikel Arteta at halftime, as he points out here. But it's his comments about Arsenal that will maybe, well, it'll incur some wrath from Arsenal fans. But I've got to be honest, I think he's got a point. Uh, not really. I mean, uh, at halftime, I went to Mikel Arteta, their manager, to apologise because I've never meant to injure uh, their keeper. I mean, I just jumped to get the ball, maybe, and when he landed, he just tweeted his knee. So I apologize to their team and to, to him as well. Um, I've been through a bad injury, so I know it's, it's hard, but I never meant uh, to hurt him. But some of other Arsenal players uh, need to learn uh, humility, maybe, sometimes. They've been talking a lot, first half, second half, when they were 1-0 up, and they got what they deserved. Ooh, not pulling any punches there. Oh, yeah. I mean, he says and of course, of... If, you, if you're playing the game without fans that, that din out or that drown out a lot of the noise, you're hearing exactly what these players are saying. And uh, yeah, I, I don't blame him in that respect. No, I don't either. And it's interesting. He says some, one or two of the Arsenal players lacking humility. I think that was more at Matteo Guendouzi, who is a young, a young man, is Guendouzi, who kind of very much wears his heart on his sleeve. He was just irate with the whole situation. And given the fact that Arsenal took the lead and lost it in the manner that they did. And again, you go through that Arsenal team, Rob, and it does sound as if we're Arsenal bashing. Rashid, it, it isn't the case at all. It's merely just us kind of pointing out our observations on it. There ain't many great players on that team. No. Hector Bellerin flatters a little bit. The two centre-halves, Rob Holding, who I appreciate has had his injury problems, young boy, still kind of learning his way. Mustafi, not good enough in a month of Sundays for me in the Premier League, certainly not for a club of Arsenal stature. Kalasinic, solid, without being spectacular. Guendouzi, I think is still, there's a lot of potential there. Danny Sabalos, not for me. Saka, I like. He's a young boy, 18 years of age. He's just learning his way in the game. He needs a bit of time. Nicholas Pepe has not looked the £75 million player. You know, 75 million quid they spent on him. And then up front, Lacazette, not for me. And then the, the one, the one who what I would say is world-class, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who mm. just looks a little bit frustrated. Dare I say he's going down the route of Alexis Sanchez. He's a bit of a one-man band in a team that is pretty average, pretty bog-standard. From back yeah, to front. and you look at you know you look at past Arsenal teams that once Arsenal once Arsenal sort of moved through that era of winning Premier League titles, the Invincibles, etc., and they they made that Champions League final, and Thierry Henry left to sign for Barcelona, and then Arsenal began that steady downward gradient of of a club that was in in somewhat terminal decline under Arsene Wenger. They were winning FA Cups, but they were not challenging. They were, they were contending in some league seasons, but, but never seriously looking like they, they might win a league title. But then you look at and you consider some of the players they had. They had Cesc Fabregas running the midfield for them. They had yeah. the likes of Andre Arshavin. They had Robin, Robin. Van Persie. They had world-class players. Even Theo Walcott was someone who was a great Premier League impact man on his day you know he could do enough for them he could he could he could he could get goals you know they they had a, a Emmanuel Adebayor being another yeah. example of just players that could bring something to the table they just look like they don't have the kind of players that can secure that they're just not they're not as good their squad is simply mid-table fodder now it is. and they've allowed it to get by making poor signings Andre um, Alexandre Lacazette 
is a classic case in point. As a, as, a, as a man who was heralded by Arsenal fans as someone huge money on who him. could, this is he was in my opinion he was never going to be a twenty goal a season Premier League striker, and that's exactly what's transpired. Proved, transpired. transpired. You can't even get in the team. Well, again, he got in the team yesterday, but again, if you're a task, they're lightweight. Like they are lightweight. They're they too are. easy to push about. They're no longer good. You see, this is the thing with Arsenal. They're they're still doing exactly what they've always done against so-called inferior opposition which is have lapses, blips, lapses of concentration that are costing them games. But they're no longer good enough. They're no longer stylish enough or, or shall I say, um, the, game's the, style of fo- the style of football that, that made them quite attractive and made them quite... Um, there was something alluring about them under Wenger because they stuck to this philosophy. They were called Barcelona light, of course. Yeah. Um, they don't have that anymore. They don't have that identity going forward either. So they, they don't really have anything because they're not, a, they're not a team that can gut it out. They can't go, they don't have the mentality to sort of really get down into the trenches, to pardon the sort of cliche, if you like. But neither, do they, neither are they really blowing teams away anymore. No, they're not. And Mikel, who I like, and I've said it numerous times on this show, and he will be given time, but I don't envy him. Because of Arsenal, which is looking likely, and I appreciate there's still eight games to go, if they don't secure European football, then with Stan Kroenke refusing to dip into his own pocket, Roman Abramovich, you've got to say, again, he's putting money where his mouth is. They've signed Zizek, they've signed Werner, they're in, we believe, for the likes of Kai Havertz, they're in for, again, we're led to believe Ben Chilwell, the Leicester left-back. He's putting his money where his mouth is again, Roman Abramovich. There's going to be none of that at Arsenal. And if they fail to make European football, good luck rebuilding that team without the riches that European football brings. It's, it's an eye. It's a tough and then, ask. And then what do they do? Because they can't really roll the dice on the manager again they're, they're in a gonna, hurry. They're looking at young players. I mean, Saka's a great example of that. They've got Kieran Tierney, the, the young uh, ex-Celtic left-back, who I think with a run of games will come good. It will be Mikel Arteta rolling the dice with the young players and, and hoping that his coaching philosophy and his way of playing rubs off on the young players and that they kick on. Game livening up in the last five, ten minutes, Rob. Yeah, it's been chances at both ends. Chelsea... Have had a couple of long-range pot shots. The keeper has been struggling a little yeah, bit to little. retain control, but um, yeah, they, Chelsea struggled to break teams down. That, I remember that being a hallmark of their of their campaign prior to the the interruption. That that they didn't like it when teams Team played pretty compact, and that's become a real hallmark of the Premier League. You've got half a dozen or so teams that look to be expansive against most opposition. Yeah. And then you've got the likes of Aston Villa who basically look to protect, look to contain, look to play on the counter-attack. And that's exactly what they've done. They're trying to use some pace up front and, uh, and Chelsea have got pretty much a sea of bodies to try and penetrate, to try and get through to the goal. And, and thus far, Villa have repelled the Chelsea sort of waves of attack. It's nil-nil at Villa Park. And it'll probably be a similar kind of story the Merseyside derby. Yeah, looking forward to that one this evening. Of course, Liverpool win tonight at Goodison Park against Everton. And then all eyes will be on Manchester City at home to Burnley tomorrow evening. And if Man City fail to win that, then of course Liverpool would be league champions for the first time in 30 years. I was getting a little carried away a little earlier today thinking, could Everton just maybe, maybe do something tonight? Palace at Anfield in midweek. Could they, on their good run, do something? And then all of a sudden, Liverpool are at the Etihad Next weekend, City get a win there. Three defeats on the bounce. We've got a title race again. <laughs> that, is, that is some very elaborate... Yeah, that's not happening. That is some uh, elastic thinking, <laughs> Yeah, Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, 
it's quite conceivable that Everton could get something out of the game tonight, but it's got to be a matter of time. Yeah, got to be a matter yeah, of time. Only. And I do think City are going to completely Rolls-Royce the, the last eight games of the I season. I think they'll win the just got a feel. Yeah. I've just got a feeling that they will... Plus, they've got the added motivation of, of being in the Champions League and really feeling like that's a great opportunity to win that competition. And then that would re- wouldn't that just yeah, create wonder, a massive headache for UEFA? I do wonder with Liverpool, if they do get this title wrapped up early, what does Klopp do? Does he chase records or does he say to Firmino, Mane, Salah, you, you guys just I rest he, now? He, he, his priority, if they get the title wrapped up, is obviously to safeguard his players for, for yeah, what, what will think. be a curtailed break. So I would expect him to rotate his top stars while still playing some of them, maybe he'll play Firmino with Salah and give Mane a rest yeah, and vice versa. I think so. And then a couple of the youngsters who he obviously played so famously in the FA Cup. Yeah, your maybe Curtis the, Jones. A few of those will get a run out. Harvey Elliott. I, I do tend to agree with that front uh, at that point as well. I do think City will be of this little mini league that we talk about. It wouldn't surprise me if City come out on top in it. Great win for Southampton though. Ralph Hussenhattel, his side 3-0 win against Norwich. Look out for them. They've got a decent run. Brighton as well. Big win as we've said at home to Arsenal yesterday because they've got Leicester midweek and then next weekend it's Man United. Ben Chilwell with one of the goals if not the goal of the weekend. Don't know if you saw it. I did road. catch it, yes. Oh, yeah, it was a good one. What a hit. What a hit. As Andy Gray would say, what a hit son. Take a bow. Take a bow. And then Wolves Damatrori, Raul Jimenez, just Nuno Santa, just continues to work wonders with that football club. I know he spent a lot, but they, they've got a real way of playing. They stick to it, and they're a tough team to beat. They've had some great results this season. They have. Again. Yeah, fantastic. Traore just looks, he's given them real, quite literally, he's given them muscle going forward as well. And they've got that, they've got that ability to look good on the ball and to score goals in numerous different ways yeah. as well. You saw that classic great back uh, back post cross by Traore and then a thunderous volley oh, for the second goal. Pedro Neto, that was another hit this weekend. RB, uh, RBS, RBC Heritage, what is it? It's the RBC Heritage. It, it is golf. It's at Hilton Heads and good leaderboard. Till Hatton. Till Hatton is there. Abraham, Abraham Anser. Ryan Palmer, Webb Simpson. Brilliant leaderboard, that, Rob. Nah, but you've got the likes of, well, yeah, actually. <laughs> Tongue in cheek, that, Chief. That yeah. isn't a brilliant leaderboard. Ian Poulter's there or thereabouts. He's at 13 under par. You've got Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson both at 12 under. Brooks Kepka's at 12 under. So you've got some quality a little bit further back. Uh, Rory McIlroy, having started so poorly, has got himself to 10 under par, but he's kind of mid-table. He's in a tie for 41st. So it's very bunched. Um, but the PGA tonight. Tour, honestly, the coverage is flat, really flat. And it's obviously not on satellite television here in the Middle East. So I've been watching highlights of it on Twitter and what have you. And it's just it's just flat. The it's commentary's flat. flat. There's obviously no fan noise. So they need PGA, to do something, get Robbie Greenfield do something on creative. It. Robbie Greenfield is available <laughs> for a good price. To buy high, we'll sell him at a good price. Millions it would cost, but he is ready and waiting. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.